Bruce Newberry. The food dude. Coffee always has a story, and I love food and drink with a story, so let's hear the story. With us is the food and beverage director for the uh, Hotel Viking and for the Hill Market Cafe, Henry Payne. Henry, nice to see you. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Well, thanks for coming over and for bringing us a little bit of uh, things to enjoy here. The Hill Market is open. Open as of Friday. Yep, we're open 7 to 7. Uh, we're located in, in the Hotel Viking. Whereabouts in the hotel? Just locate, so if you locate it for us, if you would. Right. So if you, if you come in the front door of the hotel and you turn right, mm-hmm. we are right there. You'll see a nice green sign that says Hill Market. Uh, and we welcome locals and our guests as well. So uh, please come on in and, and give us a try. We uh, certainly... I, I, I'm, I feel comfortable saying that we have the best coffee in town. <laughs> well, there you go, right? No, no pressure there. Tell us, well, that's what we want to hear about. We want to hear about this coffee because it's, um, it, it's a well-known name. It's Stumptown Coffee, which is right up there with, uh, you know, your, your uh, Pete Brothers and your Starbucks and those names as being a national uh, premium coffee. And uh, it, it, it's a new kind of foray for Stumptown, Stumptown here, certainly here in Newport, maybe here in New England. Yeah, Bruce, as far as I know, uh, I think we're the first in New England. Stumptown's right. a, an Oregon-based coffee company. Um, they, are, they have a few big operations in New York. And as far as I know, we are the first in New England. Um, all the coffee is fresh ground on site. Mm-hmm. Um, so every morning we grind the coffee. Uh, everything is weighted, and it's 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 really nice. uh, we we had a two day training program, and it was great. I definitely learned more about coffee than I ever knew there was to know it's about. A lot it. to know, Henry. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to know. Yeah, so it's it it really is. It's it's terrific coffee. So uh, what do we have to try today? So I brought what what I have. Uh, what you have there, Bruce, is that's the Hairbender, and that's uh, the signature blend. Nice. Uh, Hairbender. <laughs> It not, it's not because it bends your hair. It uh, the original Stumptown Cafe was in a um, was located in a, in a beauty or what was a beauty salon. Oh, is that and right? It was the yeah Hairbender Beauty Salon. So they kept the name, and that's that's that, hilarious. Yeah. So so this is the Hairbender. So it's a medium dark roast. Yes. And uh, it is hundred uh, percent um, arabica, which that's right. You can tell. Yeah. And. Um, it's it's a dark roast, but it has some bright notes. So is this all Oregon grown? No, it's not. It's a blend. It so is. No, no, I'm tasting some. Yeah, maybe no, absolutely. Some yeah. Tanzanian, maybe, and the Sumatran. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a, there's it, it's a blended bean. Mm. Um, it the the blended bean actually is better because it it keeps well it keeps better throughout absolutely. the season. Absolutely. Yes. No no question. People talk about, "Oh, you know, I only drink 100%, you know, this type or that type." Yeah, and 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 if you do that, what you'll find is that sometimes a year you're you're drinking outdated coffee because True. when it comes from a certain place it has a certain harvest season. So Excellent point. Yeah. So this is this is this will appeal to a New England palate, I think, Henry. Uh, it is a dark roast, but it is it is not a it's not an exceptionally dark roast, and there's nothing bitter or or even many dark notes about it. It has some nice bright notes, and we tend to like our coffee brighter here in New England. So I think this will appeal to that New England 
palette. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very, very nice. So this is the hair bender and this is the house blend. That's right. Yep. This is if, if you come into our coffee shop and order a, a, a regular coffee, that's what you'll have. This is what you get. Yep. And as you know, as as we work through it and, uh, you know, we're going to end up with some different blends in there available. Um, but we're going to stick with this one first and yeah. do it perfectly. And then and then we'll probably Beautiful. expand and offer some other blends really well. good you're right on the cutting edge because you have the nitro cold brew right which is what it is all about and uh, you brought a, a you brought it in a can for us today yeah but it's available on tap that's right there yeah. at the so, hill market so Cafe. on tap well we have uh, a traditional cold brew on tap and then we also have the nitro brew on tap yes. and the nitro brew is exceptionally smooth it's um it's, really it's good. like aerated with with nitrogen, you can't use CO two in coffee because it'll ruin the flavor. So it's so it's nitrogen. It's the newest thing. It's like a it's uh, really is now. You must have been making a lot of friends on Saturday, uh, yeah. <laughs> drawing this out of the tap because it looks like a Guinness going into the into the glass. It does. It does. It doesn't have quite the head that a Guinness has. Well, it's but close it, though. But it's it got that similar. foam it and does, everything. Yeah, yeah, it has a head on it, and it's just. I mean, it is super smooth. Like I. You wouldn't want to put an ice cube or sugar or anything in there. Right. I certainly it's wouldn't, true. anyways. But <laughs> because it, it does have a lot of characteristics of of espresso type coffee. It's got a little crema on it. It's got a little creamy it taste does. to yeah, it. Yeah. And we also have it in our. We, we have a nice uh, you know some nice retail food and beverage items in yeah, our. Yeah, you brought us some goodies this morning. What uh, what do you guys have on the menu there at the New Hill Market Cafe? Ah, uh, so we have a whole uh, we we have a whole list of sandwiches. Everything's made daily fresh. Uh, we also have some pastries and danishes, all made all made daily. Um, so this morning I brought you over uh, just some classic stuff, bacon, egg, and cheese on an English muff muffin, sausage, egg, and cheese, English muffin. I brought you a blueberry galette. I uh, saw that. I'm with, gonna... Which is beautiful. It's really all, it's nice. kind of like a blueberry pie, just yeah. in a smaller form. Um, and I also brought a gluten-free macaroon. We, we, we do carry certain, plenty of gluten-free options because, you know, that's, that's such a prevalent thing these days that you, you really need to have that stuff available. Very, very nice mm. indeed. So this is all at the Hill Market. Now, the big question, of course, we, we're big on our proprietary names of our places that we go for food and drink, Henry. Now, is there, are there going to be more Hill Market cafes or is this one unique? This is a unique operation oh, here. Good. The okay. Hill Market. One is, of a you, kind. You are not going to find another one of them float popping up anytime right. soon. Good. <laughs> good. Glad to hear. And what are the hours? 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. uh, seven, seven days, days a week. week. That's right. Yep. All right. And right there in the lobby of the Hotel Viking. And of course, uh, you don't have to be a hotel guest. You can make it your your stop in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Come in. I mean, we have the we have uh, the the absolute Ferrari of espresso machines. Nice. Uh, and and we had a nice training on it, so all the baristas are doing a great job. So yeah, we we're, we're really looking forward to uh, bringing in some locals, not not just our hotel That's guests. That's it. It's a great spot. So so please come on in. Sounds sounds great. Well, best of luck at the new Hill Market Cafe there at the Viking and uh, all of the wonderful treats and foods and things. And it's uh, going to be a, a great addition, I think. And uh, so happy to have you come over and share a little bit of it with us. We really appreciate it. Well, great. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks right. for having us. You bet. Hey, uh, and where can we find out more information about the Hill Market Cafe? Uh, you can certainly go on to our website, hotelviking.com. 
uh, we'll have you'll have the whole menu and everything on there if you'd like to check it out. Excellent. All right, Hotel Viking right here in Newport. Henry Payne, food and beverage dude, thanks very, very much. For us parents, the end of the workday signals the beginning of our other full-time job, the care and feeding of our family. When everybody comes home and everybody's hungry, you can smile when you hear those three little words, what's for dinner? Because you know you've got Gaspar's on hand. Gaspar's Linguisa and Chudis, an easy and delicious meal starring your family's favorite. Gaspar's is just what you and your family need after your hard day. Made with lean cuts of quality meats and authentic natural spices, Gaspar's lends a special flavor to so many of your family's favorites. Spaghetti, chili, pizza, sandwiches, omelets, baked beans, soups, so much more. Gaspar's comes in slices, franks, cocktail bites, and the traditional sausage. And Gaspar's Linguisa and Churis are readily available at all major supermarkets. For all the flavor with less fat and calories, try Gaspar's Turkey Linguisa and Churis. Gaspar's for over 95 years. It's the Portuguese sausage that the whole world can enjoy. Hello again, Bruce Newberry. We talk about what you care about. And what I care about is this blueberry galette that we had a chance to try from the New Hill Market Cafe, just opened up in the Hotel Viking, and they came by this morning and brought us a rather fine spread. English muffin sandwiches with sausage and eggs and all of that, and a, a macaroon, the aforementioned galette, low nitro cold brew iced coffee, and some of their signature coffee as well. It's by Stumptown, which you may have heard a lot about, but I haven't had a chance to try because this is the first time that they've come this far north and east. Anyway, it's all over the Viking. Very, very nice. Well, let us talk about food and the upcoming season and food trucks. Yes. Now, that has come, I think, to really signify the good weather. And all of that certainly is to those who operate the food trucks around here in the great dining destination state. And on the line with me, I have someone that um, knows a lot about where those food trucks are everywhere and what they're up to. Eric Weiner runs a very successful website and an information resource called Food Trucks In. And he joins me on the line. Eric, nice to have you with us. Hey, great to be on with you, Bruce. Hey, great, great pleasure. So uh, we've got a little sunny weather St. Patrick's Day come and gone, so we're kind of ready for the season and and time to dust off the food trucks, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a, a real working hard crew out there of guys that operate all winter long, but it's about probably just 20 or 30% of the entire community. So you're right, guys are getting ready to pull their trucks out of the garage and get ready for the busy spring and summer season. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a busy one. How many food trucks are there that you know of in in Rhode Island right now? Well, I, it depends on how you count them. You know, if you start counting hot dog carts and lemonade trucks and ice cream trucks, the number, you know, balloons quite a bit. But we've got a listing on our site of about just about 100 food trucks that, that operate, you know, throughout Rhode Island. Wow. That seems like a lot. It is a lot. I mean, it, there are different categories. You know, there are those operators that are out year, year long and, 
um, and, you know, working to make it a full-time, you know, 12 months out of the year business. There are a number of operators that come out for the season from, you know, April or May through October or November. And then you have a, you know, third class of operators that are probably, you know, operating in the same stationary location, even though they've got a mobile vehicle, they've kind of found a, a street corner or a row or an area where they're operating in a, in a fixed location all the time. And, you know, you take those numbers, you add them together and you're, you're pretty close to a hundred. Boy, oh boy. Now talk a little bit about, uh, the, just the sort of metamorphosis of the food truck industry. I mean, it started out decade or so ago, maybe a little longer. And of course, originally we started food trucks here in, in Providence many, many years ago. I suppose we should really pay tribute to that first. Yeah, so I mean, if you look at the late 1800s, when when trucks like Haven Brothers, you know, really kind of began with mobile food, you know, they weren't trucks at the time, they were, you know, a horse and buggy and, and you know, but Haven Brothers has been in Providence for, you know, well over 100 years, and, and the industry of street food has, has you know, has um, been in existence globally forever, but it's really the last 10 or 12 years where uh, technology has has you know, grown by leaps and bounds to let the industry really change and grow in, in ways that have been really significant in the last dozen years or so. Yeah, I guess that's a real important consideration because everybody knows uh, the, the New York street vendor. And as you say, here in Providence, we take a backseat to no one. I mean, I can remember on the, on, the, on the coffee beat when I was making my runs to Worcester, the best place to get falafel was from the falafel truck. You know that was parked up on yeah. the hill there by Clark University, but it uh, so the street food goes way way back. But I I think that's a, an important line, and you you pin it at about a dozen years ago with the modern kind of food truck movement. And originally, I mean, I describe it as busking with food. I mean, literally, the idea was, hey, we'll get a truck and we'll outfit it with the commercial cooking equipment, we'll pull up on the side of the road and open the thing up and serve, and when we run out, we're done, and that's it. And that was the idea originally, and then it sort of morphed. Yeah, so, I mean, that piece of the industry is is still uh, vibrant and significant. You still have, I, you know, I think what really changed, you know, 12 years ago was, you know, technology in two ways. I think that the technology and commercial kitchen equipment became much more advanced and allowed you to do things that you could normally just do in a restaurant kitchen. You could scale it down to do it in a truck. Uh, and then I think the second piece was uh, social media and technology, you know, um, you know, the Internet and web and social media with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram have all made it possible to communicate more directly to um, the communities. And then, you know, what we've done with foodtrucksin.com has become an extension of that that's specific for mobile food. But that piece of the, the business is still, you know, pretty significant. When you look at places like, you know, Thayer Street in Providence or, or major market cities, you still see, you know, food trucks pull up for lunchtime and set up at 1030 and start serving at 1115 and there till two o'clock. And, you know, they all have a rotation of street corners or office parks or highly dense locations where they'll go, you know, three or four or five times a week. And that piece of the industry is, is still significant. But what's happened over the last 10 or 12 years is trucks have learned that that's not enough to run a sustainable business. So you've seen, you know, that turn into, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 percent of their business. And then they've grown into larger public events and larger private events to, you know, help make it a sustainable industry. 
That's an interesting point. And in between times, in the ensuing years, between about 10 or 12 years ago and maybe the last four or five years, you've also had a little bit of a, would, would you describe it as the industry has matured? Yeah, I think it's like any any industry. I think about, you know, my, my first business when I owned a limousine company and, you know, I bought one used limousine in 1990. It was an industry that had, you know, been growing out of L.A. and New York and was just kind of hitting to Rhode Island. And then the next, you know, 20 years, you really saw it mature. And I think you see the exact same thing with the food truck industry now. You see, you know, the type of trucks and the type of operators that have been doing it for four or five years you know, learning their craft and learning the industry um, much better. And you see new people that are coming in, you know, taking advantage of those experiences and those expertise and hitting the ground running, you know, much quicker than you did five or six years ago. And, uh, you know, obviously, of course, attached to that, you see, you know, the public and the community, more and more people, you know, understanding and getting familiar with what the industry is and making it easier to, you know, find communities that support, you know, what food trucks are doing. And not only the communities, but also from a consumer standpoint, there uh, there is confidence now, especially in a place like Rhode Island, where we are so spoiled because we just expect that every restaurant's going to be great, and they all are, that... But by the same token, there has to be a responsibility on the part of these food truck operators uh, to be able to show each customer that, yes, you can be confident in the quality that we're putting out here and that we know what we're doing and we are uh, up to speed in terms of sanitation, skill, temperature holding, that kind of thing, which means that uh, there's a certain amount of, of permitting and licensing that has taken place over the past probably half dozen, maybe eight years, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I think one of the misconceptions from consumers is that, you know, food trucks have a different standard than restaurants. And in most communities, and in Rhode Island for sure, you know, the food truck regulations in terms of how they set up their kitchens and, you know, health codes and fire safety are identical to restaurants. Um, you know, and at, at one point it probably was even a little bit more difficult because before, you know, the fire departments and the Department of Health had had a lot of experience with food trucks, you know, they weren't quite sure how to take those restaurant regulations and apply them to a mobile environment, you know, and as they figured that out, you know, it's become a little bit more streamlined, but that's absolutely the case that, um, you know, food trucks have the exact same standards as, you know, restaurants do in terms of, you know, health and safety. You know, you and I had, we're talking with Eric Weiner, and he runs uh, foodtrucksin.com, which is a tremendous resource. Uh, take a second here, Eric, talk about how Food Trucks In works. Sure. So, uh, foodtrucksin.com, we've been, you know, up and running for about five years. Um, you know, I started to, you know, track and follow the local food truck community and national food truck com um, community. And, you know, although food trucks were popping up on social media all over and you can find them listed on Yelp, you know, there really was no single resource that was doing a really good job of bringing all those food trucks into one listing or one directory in one place. Um, there were a lot of local apps, a lot of local websites that would say, hey, here are the food trucks of Indiana, or this is a great resource in L.A., but if you're, you know, someone like me that likes to learn about things in different parts of the country, or you travel, or if you're just a foodie that loves food trucks, there really wasn't a website you could go to, and whether you were in, you know, Sheboygan or Tulsa or Providence or L.A., you know, learn about the food trucks and either find out where they are or reach out to them. And so foodtrucksin.com, you know, started with um, a listing of about 2,000 food trucks in 600 cities. Uh, as of this morning when I checked, we have 
uh, 7,800 food trucks listed in 1,800 cities. Wow. And that's our, um, yeah, I mean, it's really exciting, and that's our, our primary web-based business. But what grew out of that, out of growing that website, was about four and a half years ago, you know, we were going and traveling and visiting all these great food truck events around the country and realizing that nobody was producing and, and wrangling that kind of scene here in Rhode Island. So we started to produce under our PVD food truck event banner, local food truck events, and we're just entering our fifth season of doing that as well. So what can we look for this season? Well, we're, we're really excited about the upcoming season. It's our, um, our fifth season of Food Truck Friday, which is our flagship event, uh, which is the only event that we do every single week. Uh, we do that uh, event every Friday night at Roger Williams Park in Providence from April 19th through the end of September. Uh, and it's our largest uh, event. It's our only weekly regular event. We bring together between 15 and 20 food trucks every Friday night. Those trucks rotate um, from a group of about 60 trucks that we work with on those events. We have live music. We have beer and wine. Uh, the Carousel Village at Roger Williams Park is managed by the zoo, so there's a carousel and there's pony rides and there's a playground, and it's you know it's really a, a tremendous event and. You know, doing that event for, you know, four years going to our fifth, I think the realization we've had recently is that what's really cool about this industry and, and the food truck scene at the moment to us is that, you know, all these food trucks are using technology to keep their businesses running, and we're using social media for the marketing. But at the end of the day, when people come out to the event, it is just a good old-fashioned town square. You know, people of all ages are coming out, and they're coming out with their kids or their pets and their grandparents. And, you know, I think the uh, American consumer these days is used to being able to go home and cook three or four meals so that everyone can eat what they want instead of all having the same meal. And when they come out to Food Truck Friday or any of our other events, we're kind of replicating that experience with the variety and choice and neighbors are getting together and generations of families are hanging out and we've been able to take Food Truck Friday and roll it into a whole bunch of different events that we do all over the state now. All right. Well, uh, keep us posted on some of the events that might be happening in our hometowns in Newport and along the shoreline and Narragansett and East Bay and all of that good stuff. And where can we find out more and keep up to date on what's going on on the food truck scene? Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to foodtrucksin.com slash food-truck-events, you can see a listing of all of our events in uh, Providence. We also have a series not far from you at Sons of Liberty in South Kingstown. Uh, we will be back for our series in Warwick this year. Uh, we're hoping to get back to uh, Newport Craft to do another event down there. Uh, we have a series in Warren and Burrowville and Lincoln and Situate, and all of those uh, towns and events can be signed at foodtrucksin.com slash food-truck-events. And, of course, we are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as both Food Trucks In for the national presidents and PVD Food Truck Events for our local events. All right. Well, very, very exciting, and uh, keep up the good work. And we'll check in with you again, Eric Wiener, Food Trucks Excellent. It was a in. pleasure. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Thanks very, very much indeed. Bruce Newberry. The food dude.